Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio, where we'll talk about news, education, and opportunities for small businesses on the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and in Washington, D.C. I'm Michelle Yancey. And I'm Kyle Todd. Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Good morning, and welcome back to another episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Uh, this fine, blustery, cold morning, uh, snow is in the forecast, and holiday events are on the calendar. Um, so real quick, want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, the Department of Small and Local Business Development and the Department of Housing and Community Development. That is their sponsorship dollars to us, their grant dollars to us, that helps us uh, not only produce this show, but also to provide grants to the small business owners uh, of the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street Corridor for continuing education and promotional activities and to help us put on events like the upcoming Procrastinators Holiday Market on Saturday, December 16th from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., the 1300 block of Rhode Island Avenue Northeast. Yes, folks, it is that time again. It is... Everybody's late shopping, including me, which is why, which is why we have the Procrastinators Holiday Market, and um, and it, excuse me, it features uh, tons of great performances and local made in DC uh, last minute gifts and stocking stuffers. Of course, Zeke's will be there serving up uh, hot coffee and hot chocolate to keep everybody fueled for their last minute uh, procrastinated shopping. So be sure and join us um, on Saturday, December 16th for the Procrastinators Holiday Market. Uh, that's, again, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And you can check out more information at riamainstreet.org. Okay, um, so let's dive right into uh, what is fast becoming one of the favorite features of RIA Radio, and that is Denews. <laughs> hey, Aaron. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you so much. So I'm Aaron Denew, and uh, this is Denews. So today we're talking about another famous family in our neighborhood, the Brooks family. And in particular, we're talking about a, a building that still is in existence, uh, much like a lot of other buildings that are up in Rhode, Rhode Island Avenue that are still remnants of the late 1800s, early 1900s. And today we're talking about the Greek Revival Manor House that's located at 901 Newton, and that's the Brooks Mansion. And back in 1837... Colonel Brooks, who actually married Anne Margaret Queen, and if you'll recall from uh, earlier uh, the news, we've talked extensively about the Queen family and the Queen's Chapel and the Queen's Mansion uh, that sat right by Langdon Park. Well, uh, Anne Margaret Queen married Colonel Brooks, and these two very prominent, important families, the Brooks family and the Queen family, merged. And right around 1837, Colonel Brooks built this mansion. Um, he referred to it as Bel Air, and it was uh, certainly a plantation-style mansion that sat and still sits to this day right next to the Brooklyn Metro Station. And some of the uh, uh, some of the important aspects of that 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 this particular mansion is the fact that it still remains, and much like with any other building that has, was built in the 1800s. Um, it's taken time for different groups to save these buildings, and it could have very well been torn down and, and made into a parking lot at different times. And one of the, the earliest reasons um, for that side of Brooklyn really um, staying strong and expanding was 
the fact that the B&O Railroad ran right alongside of the Brooks Mansion. And today, it's still, it's, that railroad's still there. The, the old Brooks stop is, is no longer there, of course, but um, the metro stop is right there. So you can actually walk up and check out Brooks Mansion. And as you're on the property, just kind of imagining what it used to be uh, like in, in this really farmland area, uh, the suburban area of Washington, D.C. And the Brooks family was very influential. Uh, of course, we get the name Brooklyn from their family, but they were very influential throughout the town and um, were political players as well. And so you had these merging of these two major prominent families, the Queen family and the Brooks family. And today we still have this beautiful house that's actually on the National Register of Historic Places, which we have many houses right off of uh, Ward 5, actually, Ward 5 Rhode Island Avenue that still have that designation. Uh, But this is one of those living legend places where you can literally go up and take a look at it. Uh, DCTV is now located uh, within that building itself. Uh, They make it available to rent for nonprofits, uh, and you can go inside on a regular day. And I've gone over there and just knocked on the door and gone in and checked it out. And uh, folks are usually pretty um, hospitable about checking it out. So... Um, that's today's uh, De News, the Brook Mansion. Great. Thank you very much, Aaron. And uh, th- these are great. Just keep them coming, man. Keep them coming. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So today we have a very special guest in the studio. Um, a big welcome to Council Member David Grasso. Thanks, Kyle. I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, I know you have a, a super busy schedule. This is uh, not only holiday season and all that that entails, but also beginning of um the hints of budget season and uh ongoing legislative uh season and you've got a full schedule today so thank you for taking time to join us i'm glad to do it i'm really excited to be here in uh, rhode island avenue and congratulations on uh, a whole nother um term in office thank you thank you uh, so uh, this this past summer, you were busy uh, visiting small businesses. Um, you had a, a summer small business tour. What did you uh, What did you learn while you were out there, Kyle? Every year we do a, a summer tour in my office, and you know I'm the chair of the committee on education, so I don't get to interact with small businesses as much as I like to. I'm also an at-large council member, which means I have to cover the whole city, uh, not just a particular ward or geographic area. And so as a result, what we do is every summer we pick a business in each ward. There are eight wards, and we pick one in each ward, and we reach out to them and say, hey, can we just come and get a tour? And we don't do a big media blitz or anything around it. We just want to hear their concerns. And so we've done this for four years. And what we learn, unfortunately, is that there are common problems across the city with the government. There are also common problems across years um, that have not been resolved. There are issues around laws changing there's issues around you know dcra permitting issues (laughs) licensing issues the things that you hear i'm sure uh, in your shop here all the time so um this is not uh, unusual this year we we were able to go to some restaurants we were able to go to a chocolate factory Um, i'm sure that was painful oh really really (laughs) some of the best chocolate in the world is made right here actually in ward five chocotenango chocolate uh, it is a remarkable, remarkable chocolate bar, and it wins awards all over the world, so it's pretty impressive. We also went to a cidery. We went mm-hmm. and visited Anexo, which is uh, a brand-new, wonderful cidery mm-hmm. here in the District of Columbia um, that is uh, just making fantastic, fantastic product. Love it, love it. Uh, so 
so you mentioned uh, some of the regulatory concerns uh, that businesses were talking about. Um, what what are the what are the next steps to address those? We have in my office uh, been trying to come up with legislation that can actually help. And and the fact is, I can do only so much when it comes to a phone call to an agency or a letter being written. Uh, trying to intervene on a particular matter. So what we did was we drafted a couple years ago a bill called the Local Business Amendment Act, Local Business Support Act, and it would create a couple of things. It would do first and foremost, and I think the most important thing, it would create a business ombudsman for small businesses here in the District of Columbia. We have uh, the local business development at, you know group that actually licenses businesses as local businesses. We have DCRA that licenses them to do business. But we don't have an advocate in the government right. for small businesses. And so I've introduced legislation now twice to try to get this through. Uh, and hopefully my colleagues will take it up this year. Uh, we'll find out uh, more about that and see if we can't get some support out there for it. Because I, I, that is one of the repeated challenges that small businesses face is just, you know, the the myriad of regulations and uh, agencies that, an individual business has to go through just to open their doors. Uh, not to mention the basic business license fee. Right. I mean, this thing, you know, across the board, the basic business license is not a bad idea, but what happens is it becomes a burden to actually business. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you want to move to a new location and, you know, you can't transfer your license easily. When you want to open up, you have to come up with all this upfront money. So this bill also tries to streamline that, tries to remove some of those fees. Uh, just simply make it easier for small businesses in the District of Columbia to open and operate. Uh, uh, that, that is that is the proverbial music to my ears. Uh, we'll definitely um, definitely be looking into that more because I, I want to learn more about that. Uh, where where is that in process now? That's uh, so it's in committee. Uh, it'll be uh, we're looking for a hearing in the committee on business uh, and economic uh, opportunity, which is in uh, Kenya McDuffie's committee. And mm-hmm. so just to, uh, chat with him and, and see uh, whether or not he has time to hold a hearing and move it forward. Um, it, it could. It also I think is co-referred to the committee of the whole council member Mendelson, Chairman Mendelson. Uh, so it's just about them I think recognizing that it's there and, and moving it forward. <clears throat> So uh, you are definitely um, known for your education uh, intentions, and uh, you're the the chair of the committee. Uh, So what's going on as far as as your education legislation this year? The city is in in a unique position, I think, from any other city in the country. We have... Uh, embraced education reform now for 10 years. We are trying to turn our schools around. You've seen us renovating schools, modernizing schools, even building new schools. And yet we still are stuck, so to speak, in the performance of our students not being as high as we want it to be. Mm. Uh, And in particular, I think it's important to note that there is a widening gap of achievement between the students that are more well-off and usually white and the students that are poor and are African-American. And this is a conundrum that we have to figure out in D.C. So I spend a tremendous amount of time in my committee studying and trying to understand what kind of policies we can put in place that will move us to a place that all students actually do have an opportunity to succeed in school and ultimately do succeed. Um, The most recent effort is around trying to reform the way we do discipline in schools. We have noticed uh, in the studies that we've done that 
an African-American student in the District of Columbia is seven times more likely to be suspended than a white student. Wow. Now, if you are suspended from school, you don't feel welcome, you are feeling like you're being pushed out, what makes you think that student's going to be successful? Right. And we're not talking about short-term suspensions. We're talking about you know, 5, 10, 20 days uh, in a year. And so we have a big emphasis in D.C. on attendance and everybody coming to school, but it, it, it's kind of ironic then that we are using suspensions as a discipline tool uh, that pushes students out of school. And so what my legislation does is it tries to reform the way we do that a little bit by saying, look, you can only suspend for the most serious things. Don't suspend if it's a uniform violation or a student is talking back to you. Suspend when there's an actual physical altercation or some kind of bullying issue and not not when it's just something subjective. Now, this is going to be pretty radical. This is not something that I think is going to go smoothly or easily. So we created a working group. And we spent six months working on this. And we went out and met with all of the different schools in the city. We have 64 different school systems in D.C. It's not just one public school system. There are charter schools in D.C. that teach about 45% of our students. So uh, this is an effort that is going to be continued. We'll have a hearing in January uh, on this issue and encourage people to come out and testify because I believe that it has a direct impact, and I think if we can – change the way we do accountability change the way we do discipline to uh, embrace these students to ask these students what's wrong what's going on in your life we'll be in a better position i think then to tackle the achievement gap in the district of columbia and hopefully give these students a real chance to succeed well and uh, to tie this back into um small business support um there's nothing more important to the success of a of a small business than an educated workforce Precisely. And, and, and a workforce that um, that continues to, to grow uh, its own education, uh, you know, on the individual's basis. That's right. Um, so to tie that back into workforce development, then um, you've uh, you've been part of a couple of uh, pieces of legislation, the Fair Wage Amendment Act. Yep. Yep. The Fair Wage Amendment Act is a is a bill that would. Uh, It's another bill that's based in a human rights approach, uh, similar to a lot of the education work I do. What we've noticed over the years is that there is still a wage gap between men and women workers. And so the challenge is how do we make it equal? How do we make it fair? And and the question is what is causing the gap? Because most people, you wouldn't think that they're actively saying, I'm going to pay her less than I'm going to pay him. But yet there's still the 70 to percent of, of, of what men make is what women make. So yeah. this would basically prohibit employers from asking about your previous salary level before offering you the job. So mm. all, all it's saying is, look, what's it worth to you to hire this person? Is this person qualified to work for you? And you are, how much are you willing to pay? That should be the primary concern, not how much did this person make in their last job. Because and what, then I only have to offer them 50 cents more an hour, and it's cool. Well, it may yeah. be that, you know, and, and, and then what would happen is we know that when women start off in the workforce, they are already at a disadvantage being paid less than men. And so it just perpetuates it then because, mm-hmm. you know, you get to mm-hmm. your third, fourth job down the road, you automatically are making less. And so when they ask you, well, how much did you make in your last job or how much are you making? It's a little unfair. So this bill would actually prohibit the asking of that. And, and obviously somebody could still volunteer it and say it, but... We would prefer that businesses not base their salary decisions on that. 
Well, and, and you know, particularly for small businesses, I, I think in, in the case of a small business, they already have a set budget for how much they're going to be spending right. for payroll. Yeah, so, they can pay what they can pay. Yeah, it's it's a, kind of a no-brainer that that's the way it, it should go. Um, what about um, for returning citizens? What about for folks that may have some blemishes on their, on their record? Uh, what do you got in the works for them? Well, I have to say, Kyle, like a lot of uh, urban areas in this country, the District of Columbia is not immune to the fact that the war on drugs took a huge toll on our city. Mm -hmm. We have over 60,000 people that live in the District of Columbia and work in the District of Columbia that are returned citizens, that are are trying to make it. And uh, I believe that that was a structural racist approach to the the drug issues that we had in in this country and here in the city, and the war on drugs is a failure, and we're trying to fix that. One of the things we have to do to fix it, though, is recognize that that arrest or that maybe you know even conviction of a drug violation follows you for the rest of your life. And it most often follows you in places where you most need it not to, like whether or not you can get a job, whether or not you can get housing, whether or not you can get higher education. So we introduced legislation last month that would seal the records of people that have served their time and expunge the records uh, mm-hmm. down the road. And what this basically said is, uh, and there is going to be a hearing in the Judiciary Committee on this bill later this month, but basically what I'm, I'm saying is, if you were arrested, why should that follow you if there were never any charges filed? Right? I mean, it does. Right. It, it's on your record. If you were arrested and there were charges filed but you were found innocent, why should that follow you? It shouldn't. Those instances should be sealed automatically, and they should not hurt your prospects of getting work in the future. And then uh, take it one step further. You were arrested, you were charged, and you were found guilty, but you served your time. Why should that follow you for the rest of your life, too? Society has said you've done your penance, you've served your time. And, you know, these are fundamental fairness questions. I I think it does go back to the human rights question as well, that we have to embrace people who live in our District of Columbia and give them a chance to succeed. And the way you do that, I think, is remove these barriers. So how how is this approach different from or maybe complementary to the the ban the box uh that that was enacted well this is a, you know good question and it's important to clarify ban the box basically says if you have a record uh, the employer is not allowed to ask you about that record at the point of the application for the job right now once they picked you for the job and move forward they can ask you after that and in fact Many do, and they do a background search, and people are getting mm. you know, removed or fired from jobs after the fact based on their past history. Gotcha. With this record sealing or this expungement and record sealing bill that I've introduced, you would never have to say that you were arrested. You would never have to say that you were even convicted if you served your time and because there would be no record of it. The employer would not be able to track gotcha. it down and look at it. And so you would be able to honestly say, no, I am not. You know, And frankly speaking, why should someone – get in trouble because they were arrested once you know and and especially if you're never convicted of anything that's just un-american so i can i can hear some business owners right now saying does this is this for all classes of of criminal activity no no this would be gradations so there'd be different tiers so obviously um if somebody committed murder or committed bank robbery or something like that there's a different standard than if somebody who was arrested for possession of marijuana right now 
that person still deserves a second chance. Uh, don't get me wrong. And it's just, I think, a little longer wait is what it takes. And so in our legislation, we give them a longer period of time that they have to wait before they can get their record cleared. Gotcha. Gotcha. That, that makes total sense uh, and would certainly be incredibly reasonable. Um, from, from your standpoint, both on the education committee and with your interactions with the business community, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing small business growth in the District of Columbia? Well, I think it, it is pretty clear to me the biggest challenge is having an uh, educated, uh, creative, thinking, thoughtful workforce. You know, th- this is the challenge. The challenge is how do we get people prepared uh, in a meaningful way to do a good job? And that goes to why I'm the chair of the Committee on Education. You know, I really believe that this is the core of our issues, and uh, if when I talk to restaurant owners, when I talk to other small businesses across the city, that's the challenge that they have. Mm-hmm. It's not too far ahead in in importance, though, of also the just the plain government interference. I, you know, I think trying to get their licenses, trying to get their establishment open, like we talked about earlier, is is incredibly difficult. Um, and then finally, you know, I think just paying for all the different fees, paying for taxes, paying for you know your your space. I mean, all that I think is a challenge as well. Um, and, you know, the District of Columbia is, is not unique in that regard. I think that's true yeah. across the country. Absolutely. And uh, we are lucky that we have a variety of universities in the area for secondary education. Uh, University of District Columbia is one of those. Uh, what do you see happening at, uh, at that level to, to take kids from that, that next level of, of They've, they've gotten through high school. What's next? This is uh, something that I think we can really be proud of here in D.C., and we're continuing to try to work to expand. The, the University of the District of Columbia uh, is a quality option for students, but there's also the community college of the District of Columbia. The University of the District of Columbia has a community college, which focuses on academics but also on workforce. And I think workforce training is a good option for folks. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't go to college right after high school nor did uh, I you know, a lot of people don't and how do you give people the opportunity then to do something that they're passionate about and give them the training that they need we also have in DC that it's really important to note we have adult charter schools uh, so charter schools that help students who are after high school looking to advance their career by going to uh, some level of schooling can do that and get paid to do it so I did not know this it's, it's a big deal here in DC um, and and you know we offer that and we offer it uh, you know for free that's, and is there a tie between those adult charter schools and uh, then workforce matching? Well, there, there certainly are. And, and, you know, some of these are do it better than others, right? And so we have, uh, you know, the, the Carlos Rosario Public Charter School here in D.C. that has a direct line of a kind of connections for culinary, for um, IT, for media um, and IT, and then also for nursing. And they didn't just create these projects out of the blue. What they did was they actually talked to the Red Cross. They talked to Marriott. You know, they, they talked to Microsoft. And they got them to come in and help them build these programs. So a student at Carlos Rosario can go all the way through their system and come out at the end with a job. Yeah, um, perfect. I think there's great opportunities to do that in the creative economy. I think there's great opportunities to do that in, in construction, in hospitality. I mean, across the board. Uh, we need to do that better. We're not doing it good enough. I, I could not agree more that, that we can do more. Um, I, I think D.C. is already, uh, you know, 
quite progressive on on its workforce development uh, and you know the the opportunities particularly just within the culinary field i mean look at how many restaurants uh, are just blowing up in the district of columbia and uh with 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 uh, folks like uh, union kitchen mess hall uh taste some of the other uh culinary based um incubator spaces gosh that that, that is just a, a fertile ground for for folks not only to uh, start new businesses but to grow the ones that they've got and they need to hire qualified staff well you know Kyle when I was when I was uh, coming up here I I worked in a restaurant uh, and you know here in Ward 5 at Colonel Brooks Tavern I worked Mm -hmm. there many people may remember that wonderful place we you know I worked there from 1987 to 1992 so that gives you an idea that I've getting some years on me now but the fact (laughs) is is that that was an opportunity for me as a, a, a young person in the District of Columbia to make some money, but also uh, to make, an, make a living for those five years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I paid my rent. I, I met great people. I traveled. I did amazing things. And I have to give a shout-out here. Uh, you know, Colonel Brooks Tavern was unique because it was uh, a neighborhood place. Everyone felt welcome. Everyone right. was welcome. It right. was right in Brookland and Northeast. And there's another place like that. Now, there's actually a few places like that, I think, that are important to note. And one of them is right up the street here, uh, Zeke's Coffee. And they have a shop up here on Rhode Island Avenue that I go to um, pretty regularly with my wife to read the paper. And you sit in there. Now, I love just sitting in there and reading the paper and having a cup of coffee. The people that come through there remind me of Colonel Brooks. Mm. It reminds me of that time when it's just all walks of life. And it's just so beautiful because it demonstrates – to to all of us, it just continues to show us how incredibly diverse and wonderful our city is, um, and you know, fairly often the place where that kind of becomes obvious is here in Northeast, in in the in this Northeast sector of D.C. One of the reasons my wife and I chose to live in this neighborhood was because we wanted uh, built-in diversity already. We didn't want to be the ones that were going in and gentrifying or creating diversity. We wanted somewhere where there were people of all ages, all races. Um, all religious backgrounds. I mean, this is this is really this neighborhood, and um, you know, I just have to give a shout out to it. I love the rest of the city. I represent the whole city, uh, but this here is my home for a reason. We bought our house here in 1999, uh, but I've been working in this neighborhood since 1987, and I can tell you that it is um, a beautiful community. It's changed a lot. When I was coming up, we didn't hang out on Rhode Island Avenue much, uh, and now I go to Zeke's on a regular basis, and I'm just blown away uh, yeah. by the the service they offer. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's you know, it's like the proverbial uh, cheers. You know, you you walk in and you it's you amazing. know at least one person there, if not more. Uh, everybody that works there is super friendly and usually knows you by name, uh, know, knows you the customer by name. Uh, if not by name, then by coffee order. Right, uh, right, right. And yeah, you know, Saturday Saturday Sunday mornings is a great time to to catch up with your neighbors and drink good coffee there at Zeke's, uh, and more and more more places in 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 board five and rhode island avenue are are absolutely embracing that and uh you know your your reference to colonel brooks uh that was one of the first places my wife and i ate when we first moved in the neighborhood um and uh I was well, that's because it was the only place <laughs> pretty much probably at pretty the much, time yeah uh-huh. uh and uh you know, we were thrilled when uh, Brooklyn's Finest opened up that they had an homage uh, with the Colonel Brooks bur- Burger. burger yep. and, and it's a great spot, too. We go there all the time, sit at the bar, and get the same feeling as we did at Colonel Brooks. And, and that's what I look for. I really do. You know, we could go 
to any neighborhood now in the District of Columbia and eat a great meal. Uh, yeah. This city is booming. And you, you have to almost be selective now uh, only on the neighborhood. You don't have to be <laughs> selective on the restaurant. It used to be when, when we were younger that you say, where do you want to go to eat? Well, we can go to this place, this place, or this place. You know, now you go to this neighborhood, this neighborhood, or that neighborhood. And this, this community right here is picking up. you got Nito's. you got uh, Brooklyn's Finest. you got Metamale. I mean, this is a really mm-hmm. happening part mm-hmm. of the community. We've got a new French place that opened up. Primrose. Did you see that? Primrose. Primrose. Yep, already been there. Yeah, we went there the other night. I had a, I had a really nice onion soup. I mean, it, it was really nice. So, hey, this is, a, this is a great part of the city. It is indeed, and I would like to point out to listeners that we do still have parking here. <laughs> Much easier to find parking at our restaurants, just FYI. Um, so uh, tis the the holiday season, all of the various holidays that happen here in, in the winter. Um, what uh, what does the uh, council have going on its holiday uh, event calendar? What have you got going on? Anything particular? Well, you, you, we will be joining us for the uh, Procrastinators Holiday Market on December 16th. I love that. that I've plug. been there every year. It's great. Uh, it's, it's a great market to go to. There are just a million events that happen. And uh, just last night at the council building, there was a, an event just for ANC commissioners. Um, there's another holiday party down at the Wilson Building at City Hall. Uh, for uh, the friends of the council and the council members, um, but there, there's just a ton of things going on. It's never it never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you see just riding through the neighborhoods, people are really in the spirit right now, which is great. Yeah, I'd love to see all the lights. Uh, it feels like feels like everybody took a deep breath and decided they were going to celebrate the holidays again this winter after after last. And uh, in, in, in spite of uh, of what's going on. Yeah, in, a, in a sense, we're going to choose hope here in <laughs> yes, DC. Exactly, yes, we are. Um, any uh, any last uh, commentary? Uh, any we will be following up with uh, with you and your staff on um, the the um, the small business amendment. Yes, uh, yes that's great. You Thank you, Kyle. Uh, Appreciate that. And. You know, I'll just say that uh, you know it's 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 really exciting for me to be on the show, and I appreciate you having me. Oh, I you know I'll be back whenever uh, you want and give you an update on what I'm up to and what's going on with the city. Uh, the you know the one thing I'll ask people that are listening is to uh, recognize that our our schools are a place where you can get a good education, and it takes a little work to do it, but that there's uh, great schools here in the District of Columbia, and I hope everyone will. We'll rally around that message and, and go out and visit and help out and uh, you know, meet your principal, meet your teachers, uh, go with your, your kids to the schools and engage, and, and you'll find, I think, a real gem here in the District of Columbia. Agreed. Agreed. Lots of lots of positive work has been done, uh, thanks to your leadership and, uh, and the rest of the council on this. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us today. Absolutely. And the door is always open. You're always welcome to join us. Thank you so time. much. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. That is going to wrap up this episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to uh, to visit us at the Procrastinators Holiday Market on Saturday, December 16th from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. on the 1300 block of Rhode Island Avenue Northeast. Just follow the lights and the festive decoration. Uh, plan to do your last-minute holiday shopping and stock, stocking stuffer shopping there uh, with our Made in D.C. vendors. And we will see you there. Bye-bye.